If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We are in the midst of a series of our Lord's parables. And it's been a while since we've uh, met here on Sunday night to talk about the parables with the hurricane and the power being out. And last Sunday was our singing. But um, we'll pick back up. Just a couple of things to remind ourselves about uh, when we're looking at parables. Remember, we place them in a very broad categorization of the kingdom of heaven, the king, and the subjects of the kingdom. So when we look at the parables, they can usually fall in one or more of those categories. It's very broad strokes, but just to help us kind of group them together. We can look at them in this way. We started off looking at some of the things of some of the parables of the kingdom of heaven. And now we've started with last week's lesson, and we'll continue tonight, looking at parables about the king. And of course, when we're talking about parables about the king, we're talking about God himself. The parables reveal to us some of the character of our Lord, the characteristics of our God that we serve. And Jesus uses these parables to explain, to demonstrate those kinds of characteristics. The last time we looked at the parable of the unmerciful servant, we looked at how that servant was unwilling to be merciful in the same way that his Lord had shown him mercy. And we made the application out of that that we are to be merciful to others if we expect God to be merciful to us. So in that we saw a characteristic of the king. We saw a characteristic of our God, of our Lord, that he expects us to be merciful to each, to each other if we want to be, if, he, if we expect him to be merciful towards us. Tonight I'd like to continue work, uh, looking at some more parables about the king. I want to look at two parables tonight. And they occur here in chapter 21 of Matthew. And that's the parables of uh, the two sons and the wicked vine dressers. Now, in your Bible, you might have a heading of um, something a little bit different than that. My Bible actually says the parable of the landowner when it talks about the, the wine dressers or the, um, the laborers of the vineyard. Different ways to, to title it, but they're both here in chapter 21 of Matthew. So let's look at these parables tonight. They're, they're closely related, but as with all parables, they have their own standalone lessons. But we can group these together and see some characteristics that are common in these two about our king, about our God. So let's begin with the parable of the two sons. It begins here in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 21. So let's read this parable. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered and said, I will, sir. And he did not go. And he came to the second and said the same thing. But he answered and said, I will not. Yet he afterward regretted it and went. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the latter. And Jesus said to, said to them, Truly I say to you that the tax gatherers and the harlots will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and harlots did believe him. 
And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe him. So let's look at some details here about this parable. A very simple parable, as most of them are, which is what the, uh, the wonderful thing about parables is, that we can study them and see the simplicity in their teaching. But here, in this parable, man has two sons, and he also has a vineyard. And he asked the first son to go in the vineyard and to work. And the first son says that he will go, but he does not. And the same thing is asked of the second son. And he says he won't go, but later he changes his mind and does go. Now just a quick note here about uh, these two. In your Bible, these two sons might be flipped in the way that they are described. Um, don't let that confuse you. The, the answer is going to be the same as to who did the will of his father. Um, for some reason, my, my transcript here, my Bible, flips those two. A lot of them don't. But um, just understand, we'll get to that just in a second here, about who actually does the will of his father. So they have the two sons. They ask one to go into the vineyard, and they ask the same of the other. And Jesus asks, which of the sons did the will of the father? And they... And the they here, we're going to talk about this just a little bit, the chief priests and the elders of the temple. That's the they that this pronoun is referring to. Answered and said that it was the one who first said no, but later regretted it and actually went and did the work. So whichever uh, order those are in your Bible, the answer is still the same. It's the one that said no to go work in the vineyard, but later he regretted it and went and worked anyway. Now the they... I mentioned that it's the chief priests and elders of the temple. Back up just for a second, verse 23. It says there, And when he had come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing too, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by whose authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Was, uh, was from what source, from heaven or from men? We have this, you probably remember this from your Bible studies, how Jesus is able to discern the hearts of these and understand they're trying to trap him, and he turns it around on them so quickly and traps them. But these are the, the chief priests and the elders, and they're talking about John the Baptist. So when he comes down here, um, and talks about John in verse 32. That's the reason he mentions John the Baptist, because that was the topic of the conversation. Just wanted to point that out to us as we went along. So what's the meaning of this parable? Well, as we've talked about in, in other parables, there are some parables that we had the benefit of our Lord himself explaining what the parable means. And that's the case with this one. What a blessing it is that we have Jesus himself explaining it. He tells them that remorseful sinners would get into heaven before these chief priests and these elders. He said that John the Baptist came to them with the truth. But they did not believe him. And even after seeing the, the harlots and the tax collectors believing in the message that John was preaching... They still didn't believe. So he equates them with the son who said he would go to work in the vineyard, but did not. 
and thereby he didn't do the will of his father. We have that written for us there in verses 31 and 32. Jesus tells him, accusing and pointing out to these people that are questioning him, that they're like that son who didn't go to do the will of his father. He said he would, but he didn't go. Let's move on and talk about the wicked vine dressers. And we'll come back at the very end and make application of both of these parables. But let's talk about the wicked vine dressers. And that's recorded for us here beginning in verse 33, right after the parable of the two sons. Jesus says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper season. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but, whom, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And when they sought to seize him, they feared the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. Here again, another simple story that tells us so much. He's a landowner. He had a vineyard. And he provided all the infrastructure, if you will, that was necessary for that vineyard to produce. And he rented it out to these vine dressers, these vine growers, and then he went away. At the harvest time, he sent his slaves back to collect his due. But the vine dressers brutalized his servants, beating them, killing them. So he sent another group, and they did the same thing. So then he sent his son, thinking that they would respect him. This is the son of their boss. Surely they'll respect him. But they realized this is the, the son of the boss. If we kill him, we can just take his inheritance. So that's what they did. Then again, Jesus asked the listeners a question. He says, what will the landowner do to these vine dressers that acted so wickedly? 
And they answered and they said that, they would, that he would punish them for what they had done. And he would rent the vineyard out to other vine dressers who would give the landowner his proper due. Pay him the rent that was owed and the fruits of the labor that was going, that was going on there in the vineyard. So what's the meaning of this, of this parable? The meaning should just jump right off the page at you. It's so very clear, and we'll talk about just how very clear it was here in just a moment. But the vineyard clearly represents Israel, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. It's often referred to this way in Scripture. Look over for a second in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. <clears throat> Isaiah 5, beginning of verse 1. It says, Let me sing now for my well-beloved, a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. And he dug all around, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the middle of it. Sound familiar? And he hewed out a wine vat in it, and he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. Verse 3, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? So now let me tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it will be consumed, and I will break down its wall, and it will become trampled ground, and I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up, and I will also charge the clouds to rain, no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. Here we see the preparations that God had made in the vineyard. Expected it to produce. Yet with the children of Israel... It didn't. And we know from Isaiah's prophesying and others prophesying that they were going to be punished for that. They were going to be punished for squandering what the Lord had given to them. So back in Matthew 21, back in our parable, we have the vineyard clearly representative of Israel. And God clearly is the landowner here who gave the children of Israel the choicest land, a land flowing with milk and honey, but the religious leaders of the time, of the, of the period throughout Israel's history, these are the vine dressers in the parable. The leaders, the religious leaders of Israel, they continually rejected God's prophets. These are the slaves that the landowner is sending back to the vineyard. These are the prophets of God. The servants sent by the landowner to the vine dressers. These are the prophets coming from God, telling them, what they need to do to return back to God. And over and over and over again, the vine dressers reject the prophets. The vine dressers reject those servants coming from the landowner. The children of Israel rejected God's plan coming from the prophets until the ultimate rejection of God's son. The ultimate rejection, the landowner's son. That, of course, being Jesus Christ. Jesus goes on to tell them that this was prophesied. 
quoting there from Psalm 118 about the stone that the builders rejected. He tells them that the kingdom was going to be taken away. And it was going to be given to a people that would utilize its resources. That would use the provisions that he had given to them. And those who reject this stone are going to be destroyed by it. So what can we glean from these parables? Like I said, the one with the, uh, the landowner here, the, the vine dresser, the details just jump off the page at you, don't they? About who the players in this parable are. Those who continually reject the will of God. We see that throughout the history of Israel. But what can we glean from these two parables? Well, first let's understand that God richly provides for his children. In Ephesians 3 and verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. God richly provides for his children. Look over for a second in Psalm 132. <clears throat> Psalm 132. As we're thinking about the, the landowner in his vineyard and what all he did to prepare that vineyard, to produce fruit, all the things that he did and we, what we read there from Isaiah. In Psalm 132, uh, beginning in verse 13, it says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired for it his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her need with bread. Her priests also I shall clothe with salvation. And her godly ones will sing aloud for joy. There I will cause the horn of David to spring forth. I have prepared a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall shine. We see what great lengths our God goes to to provide for us. And that ultimate expression of all that he has provided for us in Jesus Christ. Think of the voice of John crying in the wilderness. Think of all the provisions made by the owner of the vineyard. God provides richly for his children. Yet, the second point we'll make here about this, even though God provides so richly for his children, there are still some that choose to reject him. In Luke 6 and verse 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Why do we call on the name of the Lord and not do what he says? And in Matthew 7 and verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We still have the choice to make whether or not we will choose to serve God. Scripture makes it very clear that we have to do the will of, his, of the Father if we expect to inherit the kingdom of heaven. The Jews rejected the truth, attested by John and taught and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Jews rejected that. The vine dressers refused to give the master what was owed to him. 
So even though the Lord provides abundantly for us, there's still those who choose not to accept it. Choose not to accept what God has provided for us. And ultimately that is salvation. Third thing we can glean from this, as is with so many of the parables, there's danger in rejecting the will of God. Matthew 7 and verse 23, And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Those who are trying to be justified by the things that they were doing. Ultimately, they were rejecting the will of God. And Jesus says, there's consequences for that. The Jews rejected John and Jesus, and as a result, they were going to be punished, as were the wicked vine dressers. What's so telling about this is that they knew that they were talking about them. They knew that Jesus was talking about them. Look back in verse 41. It says there, after the, the question is asked about the, the vine dresser, Jesus asked them, it says, therefore, when the landowner, in verse 40, therefore, when the landowner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? And they said to him, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to the other vine growers who will pay him proceeds at the proper season. Now drop down to verse 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. Now I mentioned that this just really jumps off the page at who the players in this parable were. Well, the listeners heard that too. The elders, the chief priests, they knew that Jesus was talking about them. And even amongst all that, verse 46, and when they sought to seize him, they feared the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. Even though they were convicted of the things they had done in the past, they were ready to seize him, throw him in prison, and worse. They understood that he was talking about him. These parables, these two parables, among others, tell us about our king. He asks that we labor in his vineyard. If we agree, then we need to make sure that we labor in the vineyard. In James 1, verse 22, it tells us to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Remember what he says next? Deluding ourselves. God expects us to be doers of the word, not simply hearers. That one of the two sons has said, yes, I will go, and then he doesn't. He heard what the father asked him. He responded, but he didn't do the will of the Father. We should understand that he has given us all the provisions that we need. All the things that we need in this land flowing of milk and honey. In that he has given us Jesus, his son. In Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. Just like God provided the land of milk and honey for the children of Israel, he has provided the same for us. 
And those things are all summed up in Jesus Christ. All the provisions that we need in the vineyard are in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he expects us to be fruitful with the blessings that he has given to us. He's made the preparations. He's dug the wine press. He's built the tower. He's set the hedge around the vineyard. Now he expects us to produce the fruit. And when he comes to collect those fruits, we better be ready to give him what's due. He expects those first fruits. He expects the best. And that's what we need to be giving him. And there are consequences if we don't. As I mentioned, so many of the parables end with consequence for not doing the will of the Father. And so does this one about the wine dresser, about the vine dressers. Bring those wretches to a wretched end. That's what his audience said. And they were the ones that were going to receive that wretched end. Are we ready for the landowner to come back? Have we done the best with what we've been blessed with? If not, we need to make sure that we are. Make sure that we're using those provisions that God has given us to their fullest capacity. Make sure that we're producing the fruit of the vineyard that he expects of us. If you're not a child of God, you need to understand that this kingdom belongs to his children. And the only way to get into the kingdom is through Jesus Christ, through surrender and baptism. If as a child of God you've stumbled and you need the prayers of this congregation, we can help you with that as well. We offer this invitation at the close of our service. If you have any needs that need to be addressed to the congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.